please tell us something about your musical education. Oh, uh, well, I started my formal musical education when I was uh, five years old in Iceland. Mm -hmm. And um, my first year I, I studied the piano and organ. And then I, uh, when I you know, started going to school um, at six, I, I joined the, uh, or sort of, you know, switched over to the, the recorder, you know, mm -hmm. those little flutes that are, all kids are made to play. And I played that for a year. And then uh, the trumpet actually became my, my main instrument for, I'd say, about 10 years. And uh, so, uh, you know, really, I was just kind of uh, getting a typical classical education as a child. And mm -hmm. um, later on, I went to a music conservatory in Iceland. And then I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston, and I ended up uh, doing my master's degree in composition at the uh, University of North Carolina School of the Arts. Wow. What is your favorite instrument within or outside an orchestra? Oh, um, within the orchestra, you know, I, uh, the cello is a wonderful instrument, obviously. Uh, so expressive and rich and beautiful. I mean, I, I, um, I love writing for the cello. I, I, I love woodwinds, actually, even though they are rarely heard in my scores. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the bassoon, the double reeds, the bassoon, you know, English horn and, and oboe, are all beautiful instruments, the flute, you know, it's, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it just depends on what you're writing. I mean, they all have their beauty and they're all in their own way and their purpose and, and role to play. But um, I'd say maybe those sort of solo you know, rich kind of tone solo instruments are my favorites. Um, beyond that, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a very big fan of the electric cello. And, uh, well, more importantly, I'm a big fan of how Martin Tillman plays the electric cello. He was a dear friend and a collaborator and a genius player from Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, all, even though it's been overused a lot, the duduk is a beautiful instrument. And um, um, let's not forget about the human voice. Who are your personal or musical idols, if you have them? Mm, well, um, my personal idols, oh, my mother, number one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've been very lucky to have some fantastic mentors along the way. <clears throat> I'd say all the way from maybe high school and through my music, you know, my music teachers and, you know, and, and some people I greatly admire are um, David McHugh, who was my, uh, who was my professor in graduate school when I did my master's degree, uh, Hans Zimmer, obviously, who I work with now, mm -hmm. Mike Post, and, um, you know, beyond that, there's certainly... Uh, writers and artists and, and politicians and I could go through, but you know, I'd say these are sort of the closest to me. Um, musically, um, there's so many. I mean, I, I'm a great admirer of Ennio Morricone. Mm -hmm. and, uh, obviously, you know, I don't know. I mean, from Bach on, I could give you a very long list, but uh, <laughs> it would be a very long radio show if I kept doing that. So yeah, I, I'd say, um, yeah, we should probably leave it with Ennio Morricone.
Okay, cool. And are there any soundtrack uh, albums by other composers in your music collection at home? Oh yeah, a lot. For example? Uh, there's, well, you know, uh, almost all of Ennio Morricone's scores. Mm. <laughs> uh, Shawshank Redemption by Thomas Newman. Um, let's see, lots of lots and lots of Hans Zimmer. Almost everything John Williams has done in the last 20 years. Um, the list goes on and on, really. I've listened quite a bit to Alexander Deplat lately. I'm a big fan of his work. And, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, honestly, at least half, if not more, of my music collection is film scores. Do you like or enjoy writing whole themes for characters or settings? Or do you try more to describe the mood of a particular movie? Well, um, I think, you know, I, I think in the beginning, first theme that I tend to write tends to sort of be about the film as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then I will start writing themes for specific characters. Uh, but, you know, there's a kind of a, a sort of a general feeling uh, that you get from watching a film or reading a script or whatever. It's sort of kind of this, you know, I mean, the idea of a main theme for a film is kind of to encapsulate the general tone and feeling of the film and the story into a piece of music. And, you know, that's, for me, is always the most exciting part of any film score because it's sort of like that's your big statement, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but then, you know, it can be very fun to sort of be more specific and write something specifically for a character or a or, you know, a setting or, or whatever it may be. And it, it's kind of more sort of, um, it's more surgical, as it were. It's just very kind of precise, you know. It's But, um, so, you know, I, I do both and I, I enjoy both, but I love writing the main theme. That's the, that's sort of the, uh, um, I think that's every composer's favorite thing. Well, I imagine, I haven't, ask other composers to be honest with you. So maybe I'm wrong, but for me anyway, that's what is most rewarding. What is inspiring you? I mean, story and, uh, and, and I'm a visual person, so I, I like, you know, I, I think that's what the reason why I became a film composer is that I respond to, to, to visuals, you know, I respond to images and, and, uh, and obviously story, you know, I've, uh, I've been wild about uh, literature and theater and films since I was a little kid. So I, I think those are my greatest inspirations. Um, and then, you know, I think as most composers and artists will tell you, it's it's about 5% inspiration and 95% perspiration. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's all about the work. And you just um, think that's really sort of where it comes, where it, you know, where you actually learn how to become inspired with, with experience is just to work smart. And uh, I find that for me, maybe the thing that is most inspiring, or maybe I should say sort of stress relieving and, and therefore opens up channels to, to, uh, to create is, is the travel. I love to travel. And I, I find that, you know, going back to Iceland or going to Europe for a few weeks and coming back to work in, in LA, it just sort of clears my head and, and I, can, I can go back and, and start creating again. What uh, was your very first assignment as a film music composer? 
It's <laughs> a good question. Um, well, let me think. I, I after I left school, um, probably my first assignment was you know assisting on a TV show called Brimstone. I was a, I was an assistant to a composer named David Schwartz, and um, and he was doing a TV show called. Brimstone, and he needed a couple of uh, sort of what's called source cues, you know, where there's a maybe a piece of music playing on the radio or something like that, and he mm -hmm. didn't have time to do them, and, and I jumped in and wrote a couple of pieces. But the first, you know, uh, film I, I did on my own was probably uh, the first full-length film is called Lansdowne, mm -hmm. uh, filmed by a director named Tom Zuber, and. Um, you know, I had done some short films and student films, of course, that kind of thing. But uh, but that was the that was the first, the real assignment. You know, I actually got paid. Mm -hmm. Are you still proud of the score? You know, I haven't listened to it in about uh, ten years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, you know, I it's sort of hard to say really because I, I you know, I, I think it's for all composers. We all listen tend to listen to our work and. And typically think, you know, I, I could have done some things better, but I'm sure for, you know, the time and, and the, the equipment that I had, because it all had to be done uh, on a computer and and with my experience, I, I think it was I think it was okay. How is uh, your approach in scoring for films? That just is different from, you know, for each film. Um, I'd say sort of in, in general or perhaps philosophical terms, I find that it's it's you know it's very inter it's very important to um, really think about the project and think about the music and, and sort of get your um, analytical part of your brain working very hard and then <clears throat> then you have to sort of forget about it and, and move the activity to the other side of the brain and start creating but what happens is if you You've sort of given the creative side of the brain some orders or, or um, a, a direction to go into, mm -hmm. and I think that's the very important thing is to have a direction. And, and because if you just sit down in front of the piano, the possibilities are endless. And uh, you, before you start, you really have to have, you know, you have to know where you're going before you before you uh, start walking. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would say, in general terms, that's my approach, uh, you know. But then each, like I said, each project is so different. They they have such different uh, needs and requirements that that you can't really sort of give one answer to that. And um, for example, your approach in uh, scoring for well, the eagle. Well, um, you know, the first question you ask yourself is. Uh, you know, well, the movie takes place in Scotland in the year 140, uh, and it's about Roman soldiers. So, I mean, that's sort of, it's like being a detective, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, you have to you start looking for clues, you know, and uh, so those are the clues, you know, it's, it's Scotland, so Celtic music, um, and then there's Rome, and, you know, the Roman Empire obviously spread wide and far, and so, you know, and then you start thinking about, uh, um, well, orchestration and instruments, and obviously we don't really know what music was like in the year 140 or, or what people were playing. But there are some, well, it's not, 
entirely true. We know about some things, and I was able to dig a lot of these things up. For example, there's an old Celtic war trumpet called the Carnix that has been found at several battle um, sort of battlefields uh, by archaeologists. And uh, a gentleman in Scotland, uh, Dr. John Purser, commissioned the Scottish government to rebuild one of these. And we used that replica on the score. Oh. So, um, so you know, in that case, it's sort of like you become an archaeologist. You know, you start looking for, you know, you know, you start digging around. And, and this guy, Dr. John Purser, he really helped me a lot because he has dedicated his life to uh, researching ancient Scottish music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's the first to admit that we, we don't really know what it sounded like. But we do have an idea about, you know, the instruments that are being played, etc. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, you know, you start taking these clues and, and, and uh, incorporate them into the 21st century. And, uh, and sort of, you know, and that's the, that was the intellectual side of it. And then you just start creating and, and uh, let your uh, creative brain follow these instructions or, or sort of, go down this road. I um, have a question from a fan. Did you let inspired you at the Eagle from your home, so Iceland? Yes, very much. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons why the director and producer hired me is because I am from Iceland and, and uh, so they, they figured that I would know what it felt like to be really cold. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, you know, if you watch the film, you'll see that um, it takes place, obviously, uh, to a large extent in the Scottish Highlands, and it's very cold and wet up there. So they they decided it would be good that the composer knew what that felt like, <laughs> which is sort of funny. But it's I mean it, it makes sense. And uh, but beyond that, um, you know, Ireland, Scotland, Iceland, uh, and the islands, you know, Shetland Islands, and, and that whole region back in the day was, you know, um, was sort of one, I mean, the, there were people roaming back and forth. And, for example, before Iceland was settled by Vikings, there were uh, Irish monks living in Iceland. And uh, so there's a, there's a definite connection um, between <clears throat> all these, you know, all these countries and these peoples. And I think that just having been brought up in Iceland with the, um, sort of tradition of our folk music and, and sort of simple folk tunes and but very strong melodies. I, I think that certainly affects everything that I do and, and was in particular helpful with the Eagle because you know it's um, you know it's probably it's likely that you know there's something in my upbringing and possibly in my DNA that connects me better to that story than say a composer from Brazil. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it does. It does. It certainly has has an impact where you're from, and um, and yeah. And I, I think music. I mean, I even use a couple of Icelandic folk tunes or sort of reference them in in the score. And even you know, there's one tune that's sang in Icelandic. So uh, there's definitely a lot of influence there. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so I think uh, it's yeah, your, your best score. It sounds uh, really great. Thank you. Um, I agree, by the way. I think it is my best score. Oh. <laughs> what is the best thing about composing? 
there's so many. <laughs> For example? The, uh, the best thing about it is the feeling you get after you've created something that you like. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, I've one thing that I find incredibly um, great about composing is the fact that when you're creating, and it's probably not just composition, but creation in general, is that if you get to a point where you're really actually not thinking, but just sort of, um, so it's not your kind of thinking <clears throat> part of the brain that is running the show, but some sort of, it's almost like a meditative state of mind where you just let things flow, and um, that's that's a wonderful thing, uh, you know. And and um, beyond that, I, I I mean, whenever I you know hear people that they've been moved by my music or or somehow touched by it, that's maybe the biggest reward because um, you know the uh, I think all all creators create to have some sort of an impact in the world, and uh, you know I I think that's um, that's sort of the ultimate, you know, the ultimate goal is to uh, have a positive impact. Mm -hmm. And is there something that makes less fun? Well, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, it, it sometimes, um, well, I mean, you know, it's it sort of, I'd say all, all, all our problems, all all problems for composers are what we call champagne problems because they're not really problems. Let's say something we can complain about will be something like uh, a very tight deadline where you have to work very, very long hours for a lot of days in a row and not get much sleep. Mm -hmm. But, you know, is that really a bad thing? No, it's actually not a bad thing. It's, it's difficult, but it uh, it's a lot of fun and it, it puts you in a very interesting state of mind and, and you know to me it's actually you know while it can't be a bit sort of painful during the time it, it's a great experience and you know so and the other thing would be something like when you're working on a movie and there's 10 people in the room who all have an opinion about the music and none of them is a musician except for you that can be sometimes a little uh, frustrating and uh, but you know again it's um, you know it's a high quality problem, as we say, because uh, you know, in the first place, you're writing music, which and and making a living, or that's your job. That that alone is such a privilege. So you know, there really aren't many things uh, to complain about. <laughs> Are there projects where you were unsatisfied with the working environment or the resulting score? Um, no, I mean. You know, it's uh, there's always going to be. I mean, there's always going to be some sort of you know tension and friction, and and I, I think that's just a part of the creative process. You know, I mean, I, I think that you know whether you're making a movie or putting on a ballet or a play or something, in a group of people creating a piece of you know art, or, or it um, there's always going to be different ideas, and, and so. You know, I mean, some some projects are more complicated politically, and I, you know, honestly, I just choose to look at things in a positive light because if you start being negative, mm -hmm. it's just a slippery slope, and it just leads to nothing good. So, uh, I mean, I could probably think of something to that you know I wish, or at the time I thought could have been different, but it just, you know, 
I think it's one of those things where you have to just accept that that's a part of the process and move on. How big is the influence and the pressure from producers and directors when you writing music? Oh, huge. I mean, film music wouldn't be written if it wasn't for the film. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the vision, well, you hope that your director has a vision because if not, then it becomes much more difficult to sort of figure out what they like. But, um, but you know, at the end of the day, the director, the name gives it away. He is there to direct and, and decide what the, what the movie should be like. And, um, you know, the, the, so it's obvious, obvious that the, you know, music, like any other part of the filmmaking, whether it's acting or lighting or photography is, is uh, directed by the, the director. Having said that, music is oftentimes the part of the filmmaking that they have the least understanding of. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's, that's sort of where it becomes uh, complicated because directors tend to be people who, you know, people who like to direct tend to be people who like to control. And uh, so when they have something that they don't know how to control, it can make them a bit uh, uncomfortable. So, and, and music, music does make some directors quite uncomfortable. And so, you know, my job is to make them feel comfortable and, and become not a, uh, an adversary or not somebody that they have to fight with, but somebody who works with them. Because, you know, my job is to realize their vision while writing good music. So, um, so it, it's always, I mean, that's the nature of collaborative art, like filmmaking, is that it's, it's decided by a committee of people. You are a member of Remote Control Productions, right? Mm -hmm. How did you join this team and do you like to work here and there? Uh, well, I was introduced to Hans through, uh, through actually through my former agent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, Hans and I had a meeting and, and hit it off, as we say, and had a good meeting. and. And so he invited me to, uh, to set my studio up at Remote Control and, and join the gang, so to speak. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's fantastic. I love working there. Um, it's just such an incredibly um, creative, stimulating environment. And, uh, and it's like a big family, really. So, you know, I was used to working alone all the time as a composer, which is what most people do. And I, I sort of honestly was a bit skeptical in the beginning whether this would be a good idea to constantly be around all these other people and 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 it's really been a, a terrific time for me and um, I've grown um, grown much faster as a composer there than I did before. Do you know that the music of Remote Control Productions is controversial in the group of film music fans? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm a fan. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, probably it is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, honestly, I don't really know. I'm probably not really aware of it. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of judgment from a lot of people about things that they really don't know anything about. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think when somebody comes along like Hans, who is very influential and, and shapes, um, in a way, the future of and the, the present and the future of, of an art form, it's always going to be controversial. Mm -hmm. 
So um, it doesn't surprise me. Let me put it that way. Oh. Um, what's, what's the controversy? Not a, uh, a lot of now, critics. Now we, now we change the uh, now we change the interview. I'm asking you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, the critics says uh, that the music sounds identical. Uh, there are just small differences, and it sounds uh, sounds like sound from the computer, not much orchestra, uh, such things. And fans like me laugh exactly that. And so it's a yeah big uh, war. A um, little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, in all honesty, uh, you know, film music, film in general is a is a pop culture. Mm -hmm. you know, film, film is not high. You know, typically, most film isn't. Uh, at least the the films that we're working on here in Los Angeles aren't high art. You know, so mm -hmm. they they reflect pop culture, and all pop music is made electronically nowadays. Not only, but there's an electronic component to all of it. Mm -hmm. So, the fact that you know uh, part of the music is made with electronics is um, not only you know okay. It just makes perfect sense because that's the part of the of the modern day sound that people are used to. So, I understand the you know the critics who the purists who want to keep orchestral music. I mean, film music. Orchestral, but I'm sorry that that ship sailed. It's uh, it's just it doesn't really make sense because um, you know film is if you think about the style of filmmaking, it is just imagine a movie that was made in the '60s and a movie that's made now. Mm -hmm. The difference in the way acting is done, um, the way the stories are told, everything's much more real and, and harsher now. I mean, why wouldn't the music change with it, you know? And the thing is that what people don't understand is that it's not just us who are composers who are deciding this. It's actually the filmmakers, you know, a lot of young filmmakers that are coming up today haven't really listened to classical music. They've mm -hmm. listened to pop and electronic music and this and that. And so, you know, they come to the studio and say, I want something modern. I want something like this. I want something, you know, and... Uh, so for us to say, no, 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 it should all be orchestral, that just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, there are a few, a handful of people who who uh, write music that's almost or purely orchestral. I mean, even John Williams uses mm -hmm. electronics in his score, you know, uh, like Munich and, you know, Mich um, not Mich um, AI and all these different things that he's done. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I... I I think it's a silly criticism, to be honest with you. And uh, and as far as the, all the music sounding similar, you know, I, I could maybe see that. I, I think there's a, a a sense that sometimes people come to remote control because they want a specific sound. So mm -hmm. it's actually on purpose that it sounds similar. It's not just like you know, uh, it, because I mean, at the end of the day, we are, you know, we get hired to do these jobs, you know, and. Um, and uh, again, I, I don't think people quite realize how much of, of the artistic decisions are out of the hands of the composer. Mm. Yeah, so I think so that, that you uh, have or don't have freedom to uh, decide. But at the same time, you know, I have to say that I have read criticisms of my Eagle score saying that it sounds like Hans Zimmer. And mm -hmm. quite honestly, I reject that. I think, it's, I think it's just silly. I think the only reason why people are saying that 
is because I work at remote control. Mm, I think so too. Yeah, but the most uh, uh, miss the old films, the old uh, yeah master like uh, Jerry Goldsmith, and want the movies uh, today. And yeah, <laughs> they well, say it's too modern. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but I bet you if Jerry Goldsmith if Jerry Goldsmith was 30 years today, he would be using electronics, and he he used a lot of electronics. Mm -hmm. Just listen to Logan's Run. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just think that, you know, culture is changing and we have to change with it. Mm -hmm. On which of the films which you were involved, uh, do you have the best memories? The, you mean films that were composed with Hans Zimmer? Yeah. Um, the best memories, hmm, let me think. Well, I... Um, <laughs> I really have good memories from all of them. I, I think that um, maybe Pirates of the Caribbean 3, even though it was incredibly difficult and, and uh, hard project, maybe, maybe I have the best memories from that because I think in terms of compositional skills, it might have been the one where, where I took the biggest sort of leap and, and uh, maybe, you know, was most rewarding for me personally as a composer. But, um, you know, I I, um, I really enjoyed Angels and Demons. That was a great project. And, uh, you know, all of them. I mean, on the holiday I got to write music sort of in the style of George Gershwin, which was really fun. And, and you know, that's the great thing about these projects. They're all quite different, you know, from mm -hmm. the holiday to Pirates uh, to The Simpsons, you know, and so they all pose different problems that you have to solve. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's the it's a brilliant sort of training ground for a composer to just try all these different things and, and, and practice and learn and, and uh, grow as a as a composer and a person. A question from a friend. Aurora's theme from Babylon AD mm -hmm. is very good, he says. Um, Is it for you more easily to compose such themes, or is the work being hard? That was incredibly easy to compose. It was one of those moments of um, pure inspiration, where just kind of I wrote in ten minutes, and mm -hmm. uh, so you know, uh, and you know, those are great moments <laughs> mm -hmm. when it happens that easily. That that's just uh, that's usually a good sign when you've written something good because you didn't have to think about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I personally think that that's maybe, um, it's my favorite theme that I've written so far as in terms of a tune, and um, I, I hope to write better ones in the future, but at this moment, I, you know, I, I really, it's very dear to me, and I, I think, I think, again, I think because it came so easily and it was sort of just came kind of fully created, Maybe that's the reason why it's good. Do you have any new projects coming up? Well, yeah, I'm actually finishing a couple of things right now, and, uh, and I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to take a, go into Iceland and Europe for almost two months, actually. And, uh, and when I get back, there's a couple of new projects in the pipeline, but um, it's probably a bit too early to 
talk about them in specifics because you know I haven't signed the contract yet, so mm-hmm. I, I don't want to speak too early. But there's certainly there's more movies coming. Great, looking forward before the end. Um, one more little thing. I'll call five terms, and you tell me just briefly what comes to your mind. Oh, is this some sort of a psychological test? Um, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay, um, film music. Beauty. Orchestra. Uh, life, heart, soul. Favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Hollywood? Um, hmm. I got two images because there's Hollywood the place and there's Hollywood, you know, sort of the idea of Hollywood. And, you know, the idea of Hollywood gives me space, and, and but the place itself is a little gray. End of work. I'm sorry, say again. End of work. End of work. So, not the day. Um, relaxation. That was it. Thanks for the interview. My pleasure.